Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's uh, programme. I actually checked the date when I was reading through uh, the brief on this one um, because the Irish Film Classification Office has received complaints about the portrayal of Irish people as moronic in the Oscar-nominated film The Banshees of Inishirin, which is described as extremely offensive by one correspondent. Uh, there was also criticism about the accuracy of the accents portrayed uh, by the inhabitants of the fictional island that features in the movie, uh, as well as a claim that its reflection of Ireland in the 1920 was wrong. Written and directed by Martin McDonagh, starring Colin Farnell, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keoghan, uh, the Black Tragic Comedy has received a record nine uh, Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, set on an island off the coast of Ireland, and the film follows the friendship of Porokine, uh, Sulawan, played by Farrell and Gleeson's character Cullum. One complainant questioned whether uh, it was made clear from the outset that the film was a work of fiction rather than real outlook and the people of the islands off the coast. In response, the acting director of IFCO, George Sinclair, noted that the grievances raised were not classification issues. And it just goes on from there. Let me go to Trevor Feehan, um, a Galway native indeed, and senior tutor um, and coordinator for film and TV and diploma at the, uh, at, uh, and also at the top of BA degree in Clarsa Dooley, indeed, Further Education College in Dublin, and a native of uh, Renmore. And Trevor, what's your reaction when you hear me saying that? Uh, good morning, Keith. And first of all, it's a very good point. But if I can, just for a moment, I just wanted to um, recognise the sad news that James Flynn, one of the producers of Lunches yeah, yeah, yeah. Minish, passed away yesterday after a short illness. And he was also very influential in bringing over big TV shows like Vikings, which many of your audience and listeners may have heard of. It's unfortunate timing, um, so I just wanted to mention that. Apologies, I should have said uh, that at the, at the very outset. Sorry, no, he had a huge input in in, in mm-hmm. getting us to where we are in the film world here in Ireland, so may he rest in peace. And uh, Yeah, but going back then to what I read there about moronic, I mean, it, it did say mm-hmm. at the end, by the way, because I did cross-check, it did say that it was fiction. Yeah. So it's a really good question you're bringing up. And, and so if I can clarify to yourself and to your viewers or to your listeners, film, of course, primarily is entertainment, but it falls into two categories. Is it trying to be realistic? Say, for example, Ken Loach's The Wind That Shakes the Barley, dealing with the same time period, where it's trying to portray serious issues that happened. And therefore, we can criticize it from being a sense of realism. Or on the other hand, is it using itself as a metaphor and therefore using a lot of poetic license, which the Banshees of Inishirin is doing, using the Civil War as a red herring. Even uh, McDonough himself talks about it, that it's not an allergy for that. It's more of an allergy of the island of Ireland being a microcosm of society. So he is talking about it as a poetic licensed type drama. And so when people say, um, oh, it's portraying us as moronic, what he was kind of doing, which is interesting in his interviews he talks about, is in America we have this, you know, Derby O'Gill and the quiet man image. And what he's trying to do, on top of all of that charm, there's a darker element to Irish society, which is not even spoken about by ourselves as well. And so, therefore, he's undermining the reputation of that image of the Irish being portrayed in those classic Hollywood movies. And in order to do that, 
like all good art, it's meant to create debate. So here we are still talking about it. Yeah. And people are engaging with it, making complaints. So if you take it from that merit, I sincerely believe it's working. But I do believe it's an extremely intelligent film that is polarizing a lot of people. And I think you mentioned it before on the comments on TikTok. You can see that happening. Yeah. But I mean, if it's the thing that we call into question, the creativity mm-hmm. of it, um, I mean, do we have to go back to the likes of The Field that was also shot uh, in Galway and, yeah. and look at that? I mean, surely we're watching these productions for entertainment value. Um, that's a, yeah, that's an excellent question, uh, Keith. If you go to a science fiction movie like Star Wars or Avengers Endgame or anything like that, we accept at the very beginning it is totally unrealistic, it's otherworldly, and we never question, like, how did that spaceship hover at that level? We don't. Where we get confused is where it's recognizable to, say, something in our past or to types of characters we know yeah. in real life. And then what happens is, is we're, we're unable to sometimes separate what is drama. And drama is a fictionalized account sometimes of real events. So you question on its realism or it's a fictional account on its poetic license. And it's important to always know that difference because it can be blurred depending on the director and the writer's um, uh, goal. Where it leads to an interesting debate is that if you take it on its merit of being metaphoric or I, you know, it's not meant to be what it says it is in terms of it's these people on the island are acting out and we take that and she's about, it's about shame and the shame culture and how we don't recognize shame and we act out irrationally and not the maturity to understand what we're feeling, etc. The movie becomes a totally different viewing experience. And a very good point that my brother made, who's a psychologist, is that a very good metaphoric movie sneaks up on you after you've watched it. You know, you've watched it. And then later on, it comes back into your thinking again. Really good example of that, I'm sure you know, is The Shawshank Redemption. Everyone loves that. But it's a film that you revisit or you think about again and again. And so that's where you have to give it its license, its poetic and drama license. And I suppose that's what we have to, I mean, not alone that, but I mean, mm-hmm. IFCO also got um, Tom Hanks' blockbuster, A Man Called Otto, yeah. which I thought was an excellent uh, production, and I've seen it, and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, it was released in Ireland in January, but they got complaints about that as well. Yeah. And again, very good point, and, and it's not so far related to an issue that's in Banshee, so if I may just give your audience a trigger warning here that, you know, if they don't know what we're about to talk about, it does... Um, you know, we are discussing the issue of suicide in yeah. both films and we're not taking it lightly because we're just talking about it through the lens of cinema. And so please don't think that we're dismissing in any way. Oh, we know how serious and tragic it is. So we're just discussing it within the realms of film. So A Man Called Otto, Tom Hanks' one, is the, the complaints were is that it's not suitable for viewing of people that are 12 or under because it discusses the issues of suicide. But if I m- mention the fact that we have, and as all people, we, any guardians or parents will always get anxious about what a child is exposed to. Yes. And that anxiety is very mature. But studies have shown, say, for example, in relation to the, to, um, the issue of, of suicide, is that the, the more open people are about it and to discuss it, no matter how tragic it is, the less isolated, and studies have shown this repeatedly, the less isolated people feel if they're ever in that position. And so the way to deal with that is to say, look, true film, through the prism of cinema, 
we're not taking it lightly, but we're trying to be able to discuss it. So then you can discuss with other people and therefore it doesn't become this very isolating, individualized, shaming, and where people see there's no way out because um, a man called Otto has a very interesting premise. Without, I know the book very well without giving any spoilers away. The idea that God intervenes to say, look, you, you're, you're a really good person. You should stay in this life. You really have a lot to offer people. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of what we were taught in college, uh, if we're ever dealing with young people, is that you know suicide is a permanent solution to what are often temporary problems, and we yeah. need to be able to help the people and ourselves through those problems. So the anxiety is correct that people feel when they are trying to protect younger people from exposing themselves to, say, you know, a serious topic. But at the same time, if they can talk maturely and then reassure the person, that's a lot more healthy. And psychologists have shown that through their studies. I think we could talk about a Trevor Fee and senior tutor indeed mm-hmm. with um, Kalar Siduli in Dublin for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I think we also have to sit back and either enjoy it or not yeah. enjoy it and like I, I know some people that didn't enjoy it and I know oh, some people that true. walked out in the middle of it my pharmacist indeed um, isn't it great to have one uh, but he and his yeah. wife um, they left midway so they did because they just found it too heavy going and I watched it a few times because oh. I, I enjoy it I enjoyed the scenery I enjoyed the but I mean it's it's to each their own what I like you might not like oh. I did oh. like a man called Otto and I had read the book, but and I'd seen the, the the other production of it. I thought Tom Hanks did a good job in it, but that's my view. Nobody else's view, but my view. So we won't. We won't uh, sorry, Trevor. Yeah, yeah, I agree totally with you. Uh, and remember, a, a really good line that, that Mark McDonough said as well is that you know you can come away from a film. Uh, by watching it this way, or you can come away from it being engaged with it in a separate way. People don't like to be preached to, so, you know, movies have to be more subtle if they want to discuss an issue. Um, But that sometimes can be lost or not, but you are correct. And sometimes serious issues in films affect people in different ways, you know, through their own experience. But I do believe that some of the complaints... Uh, that were raised in the article are basing it on the idea of people not understanding the separation of drama and poetry because we never no. criticize poetry for using obscure language no. because we accept that in poetry film does the same through using metaphor and you can engage with it that way or you can just enjoy the scenery the drama the brilliant acting that's on display uh, and enjoy it from that and but also you know as i said some people won't enjoy that for a certain degree um, but we should be all able to watch it, at least, instead of, you know, because the Irish censor's job is to ban things that they believe we can't watch. And the complaints there are from people to say this shouldn't be allowed. So that's also an important issue to raise. It is, but I mean, I've often left a Martin McDonough production, be it through uh, Druid or, or indeed mm-hmm. um, any of the other theatre companies, or an Enda Walsh play. And I've seen mm-hmm. Enda Walsh's work all over the world. But they always leave you with the thought process and why and mm-hmm. if and if and why. Uh, so those, yeah. those two films did that as well for me. So anyway, listen, well done to you. Thanks for joining us today. Trevor Feehan, uh, Renmore native, uh, who's a tutor course coordinator for film and TV uh, diploma at Clorsa Dulig and uh, for further education in Dublin. And our thanks to him for taking time out this morning and uh, joining us. Now, the students are to be minded this rag week. We're looking at um, that next. Stay tuned. And we want your comments, please, to the comment line. With thanks to Rationale Windows, 86 That's 86
55-3. We're back just after these. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Good morning to you. Well, it's Rag Week, just in case you didn't know. And Cladowatch, who are a, bo- a wonderful bunch of people indeed, are putting extra patrols uh, by Cladowatch indeed this week as Rag Week gets into full swing. Uh, chairperson indeed of Cladowatch is Constantine McNeilis, and uh, he joins me in. Uh, Studio Neil, good morning to you. Morning, Keith. Thanks for having us in. I'll pull you right over there if you don't mind. Yeah. But just in relation to this, I mean, Cladowatch are there just to, to mind the students effectively. You don't want a tragedy this week? Yeah, this is a first of all happy Valentine's Day and happy oh, and, and ha- happy Donegal Tuesday Look, and do you not realize you not Monday the, and let's see the red lights I have on for you Mayo Wednesday yeah that's great yeah happy Valentine's the studio, Day yeah. so there's love in the air and I suppose that's what we're trying to do with Cladowatch tonight is to, to show some love back to the city and um, we're, we're we're really well supported by the people of Galway um, since we were first founded in 2019 with our first patrol. Um, and this week, because Student Week stroke Rag Week or the unofficial Student Week, because there's no official uh, College Week no. anymore organised by the college, um, we have a lot of young people um, out um, first time properly celebrating kind of a College Week and uh, yeah. the way that they do it um, after the COVID. So we've got volunteers out every night this week, including next weekend again. And um, we just want to make sure that everybody gets home safe. And they're all volunteers, are they? Yeah, they're all volunteers. Our, our volunteer of the year actually was uh, Declan McGuinness, who's from Kitty Beggs and lives in Galway. So it's very apt that Declan is out today on Donegal Tuesday. Um, and you know, he'd be making sure that, that all the kids will get home safe. But again, you're protecting themselves against their own stupidity. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, look at, I mean, our volunteers will go out tonight now at nine o'clock and they'll be out until half two, three o'clock in the morning. And they'll be patrolling up and down they the waterways. They get up for work in the morning. Yeah, they do. And I just rang a couple of them this morning there to see how they got on last night. And, and they were just getting up to go to work. Um, it's very sad, Keith, when you see a lot of young men who, you know, just drink a bit too much and they're coming home and then they decide to go to the toilet and, the, and, and they sometimes accidentally fall into the waterways. And then you've got a drink, which is a, an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have young people who, who are actually just not able to handle that amount that they're taking and they get very upset and on the way home, you know, they just could do something very, very stupid. Um, thankfully, you know, when our volunteers have been out with over 10,500 hours we've done in patrols down through the years, um, nobody has ever entered the water on the night that a Cladder Watch volunteer has been out on, 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 on the waterways. Um, and that's the one thing what we're trying to do tonight is to make sure that everybody looks out for each other yeah. keeps an eye on each other make sure they all kind of tic-tac and make sure if one of them is actually put outside a bar for being a bit over drunk that they're looked after and their friends make sure they get home safe and we're asking everybody just to keep an eye on them and even the neighbours of students I mean sometimes they, they, you know, they are the noisy neighbours uh, but just to kind of just keep an eye on them to make sure they're all safe this week because uh, we would hate to see anything ex- uh, bad happen this week with, with the kids No I mean there's, there's been enough I mean with those three loss of life last weekend in the Menlo area we're thinking of uh, those families uh, today but so we've had enough of we've had enough tragedy and we don't want one this weekend but I mean to get so how many volunteers will you have out on a nightly basis we'll, we'll have average nine, nine per night nine, nine. Yeah, yeah that's what you need and um, I mean those nine um, are all trained now um, we, we've, we've put a lot of effort into how the organisation works um, we, we will you know, liaise with the Gardaí let them know that we're out if somebody does enter the water we have a, 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 a formula now where we actually contact the guards first of all and then we're on to the, the fire brigade we're working very closely with them but those nine volunteers will be just actually if somebody's staggering up along the waterways we'll guide them away from it if they're leaning over the bridge feeling sorry for themselves somebody might just put an arm around them and say are you alright and have a wee chat with them 
and, and guide them away from the water as much as possible. And if we see somebody at risk themselves, then we will call the Gardaí. Now, you've been out yourself uh, many nights with them. Uh, what type of people, you know, what type of humour do you come across? Are they grateful? Are they arrogant? Are they aggressive? I think they're very, very grateful. I mean, I'm Arthur. Well, they're grateful. They're grateful in daylight, or as I say, when they wake up. No, they're grateful. I mean, look at Arthur Carr um, and myself. I mean, we we've talked about this regularly. Is that we had one case there one night. We had to we had to call a mum, and um, where her son just could not stand. And the mum was very, very annoyed at the fact that we had called her. But wouldn't it be a completely different phone call the following morning if something had happened to him on the way home? I mean, look, at kids are going to do drugs in this town. There's nothing we can do to stop that except, say, stop it. And we try and get the guards as much support as we can get to, to stop these drugs being sold. But some of the drugs that have been sold in this town means that young people will load up with a lot of water and then when they do eventually have to go to the loo, you know, they could be there for ages. And that's what happens is we've got young men that fall into the water because of the incident. And, you know, like, people are extremely nice to our volunteers and we've never gotten that much abuse from anybody. And um, occasionally you get the odd drunk, you know, that way. But people actually appreciate what we're trying to do. Young people especially actually turn around and say thank you to the volunteers uh, and they see why we're there in the first place. But can I ask you, I mean, so what is the problem then? Is it is it more drugs than alcohol or is it alcohol and drugs? I mean, I didn't realise if you took drugs you have to take water. I didn't realise that. Uh, well, you don't have to, you know, what means when you take some of these drugs that are in town at the moment, you don't have to go to the loo for a period of time. So you could you, you build up all this water inside you and your, the other drinks that you have and whatever like that. The issue we have in the town... The drugs have that effect? Yeah, it? it does, yeah. yeah. Stop you from going to the loo? Yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so some of the stuff that's been sold, it's all junk. All drugs are junk in the first place. But I mean, what we're having is, is the case is that we have a young city, we have a drug problem in the city. Um, it's cheaper to take drugs than it is to take drink. Mm. I mean, so you. I've come across that before. Yeah, and it's like, and you don't get a hangover the following morning from drugs. Um, and you know, so the, so the kids know this. Um, but the other issue is that the amount of drink that they're taking. So what's happening is the safest environment has always been in a pub to drink. But what's happened is that people can go in, buy a bottle of water, which is cheaper. Sorry, buy a bottle of vodka, which is cheaper than some some of the you know other things mm. that are out there. Um, and you're 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 taking a whole bottle of vodka before you head out in the house parties, heading into town, topping up then in the bars. And then you're off there. So and today, now, town is kind of getting busy already. Is um, it? Yeah, um, for, for Donegal Tuesday. Um, so it's just that I suppose well, there'll be a lot of young people travelling to Galway as well today um, from around the country, from other colleges, because, you know, word gets out to party, party village this week. So that's our big fear is that we'll have some people who will be out tonight who will get lost and just won't know the waterways and just could end up in the water. Well, let's hope that they stay safe, which is most important uh, from there. It kind of frightens me, the amount of drugs, uh, and I, I'm not um, a prude in any way. I'm, I'm, I, I know all about them, but it kind of frightens me, the effect that it's having, because I've come across a story in a village uh, in County Galway where some of the top sports people in the village are taking cocaine, and then on a Saturday night they're nursing uh, a pint uh, as if, you know, I'm just a regular drinker. Yep. I came across another situation where somebody was in a in a bar recently in town and his wife went in to the ladies and lo and behold came out and said Ooh, I'm not going in there again that they were inside the toilet door doing cocaine yeah and they're the stories that we and hear and these are adults yeah these are the adults yeah and you know like this the sad thing is is that it, there seems to be a normality that has come across for, from, from, from this whole drugs culture that we have in the city now years ago there was a bit of a club culture mm. so you know there was pills sold at various nightclubs and whatever like that now it seems it's taken you know while you go out, before you go out, during the night when you have it. Um, now, what I would say is that the, the, the publicans in the town are doing their best to tackle it. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and we would see as part of Watch's next role as we hope to set up a kind of um, a get home safe campaign. So we're going to actually be liaising with the publicans, we're going to be liaising with the taxi drivers and the guards and the firemen and ourselves, just again to, to make sure that everybody gets home safe. But just just this week, I think, just everybody just to be really, really careful. Look, we all appreciate this. Is, it's, it's very stressful being a young person today. Um, just mind yourselves, you know, Take a break during the day if you can. Get something to eat. Drink some water. Neil, I fully agree with you, but yeah. they're not listening to the radio today. Yeah, well, I think the mums and dads that are listening need yeah. to ring them up and just say, "Listen, guys, I know you're having a good time in college. It's all part of growing up, but just look at look after yourselves. Watch it. If you're in trouble tonight, ring home. Right? Yeah. Don't be afraid. Like that's what mum and dads are supposed to do: is take up the phone when something's wrong with it. Um, and just to everybody, just just look out for each other mm. the next few days. All right, uh, Neil, thank you for joining us. Neil McNeil is uh, joining us there. Um, Chair of uh, Clada Watch, I hope the members stay safe today as well, uh, Neil, which is most important, and the volunteers, that's uh, they're very good. Thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. Now, post-primary education in Ballinasloe was provided by two excellent Catholic schools under the patronage of the Diocese of Clamfort and Kesht, which is the Catholic Education and Irish Schools Trust, um, St. Joseph's College Garbally and Arts Wurra are an integral part of the deeply valued and rich historical tradition maintained and supported by local communities in Banlasloe and surrounding areas. And uh, the Bishop of uh, Clonfort and Galway, Michael Dignan, uh, is looking at this and the future for uh, education in Banlasloe. And I'm joined on the line at this stage by Jerry McGill, who's the CEO of uh, Kesh, and he joins me on the line today. Jerry, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith, and many thanks for inviting me on. Not at all. Thank you for joining us uh, today. I mean, you're talking about two very strong colleges there, Garbelli and North Gulwara. That's correct. And I suppose what we'd like to say is that the conversation we began last week is not so much about the future of Catholic education in Ballinasloe area as about the form that that Catholic education should take into the future. Uh, as you correctly said, Art School Wurra and Garberley College uh, have provided outstanding education to the boys and girls of Banlasloe for generations. But as we all know, education, as with many things in life, is rapidly changing. Yeah. And as patrons of Art School Wurra and Garberley College, the Diocese of Clonfert and Kesht are determined to embrace these changes to meet the needs of future students and future parents. So, so I suppose for these will, reasons, sorry, sorry, will that mean? Will that mean like Truman? Otherwise, will that mean an amalgamation and perhaps a new build somewhere? Uh, well, what I'd say is, when we begin these conversations, and we did have a similar one in Truman, um, there is no predetermined outcome. So I don't know, or uh, Bishop Dyden doesn't know what the outcome is going to be, because we've engaged, jointly engaged the services of an independent facilitator, Frank Smith, who has immense experience in this area. And over the coming weeks, he will consult with all the stakeholders of both schools, that's the boards of management, the staffs, the students, the parents, the past pupils, and crucially, the parents of primary school going students who are our future students. Uh, at that stage, Frank will report to the patrons and boards of management, and it's only then that we will know what the people of Ballinasloe want from Catholic education going forward. So it's important they engage rather than jumping up and down afterwards if and when a decision is made and questioning the decision. Be part of the decision-making process is what you're saying. Absolutely. Now, this is the opportunity for all of the stakeholders, as I say, including and, and crucially the parents of primary school children to give their view, to express what they feel 
is important and what they what they want from Catholic education in Ballinasloe in the future so that we can ensure that we can provide that for them as we have for generations. So how can they participate? And we'll say we have some listeners abroad who are past pupils of Garbelli or Arts School or, or otherwise. Can they all feed into this process? They can, absolutely. And I'll say Frank Smith is very, very experienced in this area. He will, between surveys and personal meetings with the various stakeholders, he will compile all of the information. He will collate the information which he will present to both patrons and both boards of management. Now, when you did this in Shoom uh, and you worked on a journey, Miguel, in Shoom, uh, you, you got the result fairly quickly or you got the report done fairly quickly? Well, we, we yes and no. The consultation process in June probably took longer than we would have liked because COVID hit in the middle of it. Yes. Uh, so that did delay things. What we feel is that it's important that when we carry out a consultation process, and there is no urgency to the outcome, but that the longer it goes on, uh, the more spec- it gives rise to speculation and, you know, people's fears uh, need to be allayed. So we we want to do it in as short a time span as we can, simply to provide certainty for people going forward. So when do you think the uh, patrons of both schools and Bishop Dignan and others uh, will get sight of uh, Frank's report? We would hope that the process would take place, the consultation would take place mainly between the schools reopening next Monday on the 20th of February and Easter. Uh, It would then take, Frank, a number of weeks to compile and collate the data, but we would hope by the middle of May that we would have some concrete information. No pressure, Frank, on this one. You have your, your, <laughs> you're certainly putting the gun to his head, so you are. And Frank tries under pressure, Keith. Does he? Does he? Well, I'm, I'm delighted that uh, he's doing this one as well. But then, so once you, once all parties then have been uh, informed of the outcome of the report and otherwise, at what stage then do you look at making decisions? Well, the patrons will the patrons will take the information from the consultation process, and I suppose I, I will I won't answer that because that's very much going to depend on what the what the outcome is of what the information we receive from the consultation process is. Yeah, with the consultation uh, process, what I would say is there's there's two excellent schools in Ballinasloe. There's uh, there's no urgency. Yeah. in anything here it's it's we would feel that when when the schools are in a strong position, that is the best time to to look at these things and proactively look at where our schools would be in 5, 10, 15 years' time. Yeah, but it, it is important to say, too, that at the end of this outcome, the status quo, quo could prevail. And, and that, would, could. That, that would be the wish of the people. And if that is the wish of the people, everything, I'd say, no predetermined outcome, everything is there. Uh, so if the people of Ballinasloe prefer that the status quo is retained, that's what we will take into account. All right, uh, Jerry. thank you, Dee, for joining us. Uh, we'll keep in contact, will you, with us? You have my mobile. Just keep in contact with us and uh, keep well, us fully informed of that. And thanks for the opportunity, Kid. Really appreciate and that. Anytime. So the two schools in question that we're talking about are St. Joseph's College, Garbally, and Art School, Wirra. And if you want to be a part of that, you can go to the Kesht uh, website and get further details, or you can speak to any member of the either school, either the teachers or the executive within each school, uh, or indeed you can talk uh, to Jerry McGill or Frank Smith as well. They want to take everything on board. It's 10.37, a quick commercial break, and we're back just after these. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. Now, um, let me go to Galway Gardaí. Got uh, Gardaí Cochney Coulon joins me on the line from the Community Policing Unit uh, in Mid Street. And uh, Gardaí Coulon, good morning to you. Good 
Good morning, Keith. Now, you've quite a bit to get through, so you have today. We're going to look at burglaries first off. You're going to go to the Dunmore area on this one. That's right. Um, there was four burglaries occurred in the North Galway area on the 9th of February um, and Toome Gardaí are investigating. So first off there, um, we're looking for the public's assistance in relation to a burglary which occurred in the Dunmore area on the 9th of February uh, between the hours of 6.30pm and 9.30pm where money and jewellery were taken. Uh, and we're asking um, any information there from anybody to please contact Toome Gardaí on 093 70840. Now you're going to stay in the Dunmore area so you are as well for the next burglary and again the number there is 093 70840. That's right, so on the 9th of February in Dunmore area burglary occurred between the hours of 7pm and 9pm where a home was entered and a firearm was taken. Uh, Gordy are asking the public if they noticed any suspicious vehicles or any persons acting suspiciously in the Dunmore Milltown area. We're asking them to contact Gordy on 093 70840 or to contact the Garda Confidential Line also on 18006661111. Now, a burglary also occurred in Glenamady on the same day. That's correct. Yeah, so we're looking um, between the hours of 4pm and into the early hours of the 10th of February, uh, where it's reported that money was taken from a home. Um, Garda and Toome are investigating this incident and we're asking for the public's assistance again if they noticed any suspicious activity in the Glenamadi area on the evening of the 9th and into the early hours of the 10th of February we're asking them to contact Garda and Toome on 093-70840 Now you're going to Williamstown on the same date the 9th of February unlucky for a lot of people uh, but uh, Williamstown right, is, yeah. is the next one um, So we're looking um, on the 9th of February between the hours of 3pm and 2am um, on the 10th of February in the Williamstown area. A uh, sum of money and jewellery was taken and Gordy are again asking for witnesses of any suspicious activity uh, in this area to contact Gordy at Toome Garda Station or indeed the Garda Confidential Line can also be contacted on 18006661111. Now we're talking to Garda Cochney Coulon and um, you're going to uh, Portumna next. That's right. Um, so we're looking for assistance there in relation to a burglary which occurred at the Portumna Golf Club on the 10th of February at approximately 10pm. Um, we're asking for the public's assistance if they could contact Gardia Portumna Garda Station on 090-974-2060 uh, if they noticed any suspicious vehicles or any persons acting suspiciously in the vicinity of the Portumna Golf Club. And again, sticking, um, you're, you're coming from Portumna back to Athenry there, so you are, and uh, another burglary there. That's right. Um, so we're looking for assistance in relation to burglary in Athenry at the Vodafone shop in the square. Uh, this burglary occurred in the early hours shortly after 2am on the 13th of February. Um, and we're asking um, if anyone noticed any persons acting suspiciously in this area in the square in Athenry, we're asking them to contact Gordy on 091-844-016. Now, it's, um, we're going to move to uh, criminal damage. And you're going back to the Lockery area on this one. Yes, back to Lockery. So um, we're looking for assistance in relation to a criminal damage incident where um, a number of windows were smashed at the Lockery Golf Club uh, on the 11th of February before 10pm. So we're asking for assistance from the public if they noticed any suspicious vehicles or persons in the vicinity of the Lockery Golf Club. Um, we're asking them to contact uh, Guardian Lockery Guard Station on 091-842-870. Now, uh, Gardaí Coulon, you're looking at the unauthorised taking of a motorcycle on this one. And again, you have some details on this. 
That's oh, right. So um, a red Suzuki motorcycle, um, Guardian Orrin Moore are looking for assistance in relation to an unauthorised taking of this red Suzuki motorcycle, which occurred on the 7th of February after 8pm. So we're asking if anybody noticed any suspicious activity or um, indeed somebody in the area after 8pm, the Dewishka area, we're asking to contact Guardian Orrin Moore, Guard Station on 091 388030. Or have you been offered a red Suzuki motorcycle uh, for sale? If you have, will you be good enough, please, uh, to give them a, a call at 091 388030? Finally, and I hate saying finally, but this is a dangerous one, it's the discharging of a firearm, and you're looking for witnesses on this. That's right, Keith. So here we're appealing uh, to anyone who was in the Bally David area on the Toome Road in Athenry, Galway, between 9pm and 10.30pm on the 10th of February 2023. Uh, a number of gunshots were fired at a house in the area and Gardaí are appealing for anyone that may have seen or heard anything suspicious in the area to contact us. Um, and if anyone was travelling on the road at the time um, that has possibly dash cam footage um, that might be able to assist Gardaí with this investigation or ask them to contact Detective um, Garda Sergeant Frank Hand at the Crime Unit in Ornmore Garda Station on 091-388-037. Okay, that's 091-388-037 uh, from there. Uh, Garda Court, Nee Kulan, thank you for joining us uh, today on thank the programme. If you can assist in any way, please, would you do so? And uh, you can ring Mill Street on 538000. I'd say they'll be up to their absolute tonsils uh, today, so they will, uh, because of Donegal Tuesday and uh, Rag Week and all that goes with it. So um, just bear with them on that one. But if you know any of the um, um, of any of those incidents, would you be good enough, please, to make contact with any member of Garda Siakana? Now, let me move on because uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Alan Cheevers has requested a full financial breakdown of the money spent on the Martin Junction. Um, and the Martin Junction construction to date. Councillor Cheevers at yesterday's Galway City Council meeting requested a full detailed financial report with a breakdown of costs. And he believes that elected representatives and the public need to know exactly uh, the update at the end of the day. Um, it's the taxpayers' money that this um, project is being funded by. He joins me on the line today. Are you worried about the money or the conditions of the road, Councillor Cheevers? Good morning, Keith, and good morning to your listeners. I'm worried about both, to be honest. I brought up both of them points yesterday. Uh, I suppose, fundamentally, I said health and safety is a very, very important for commuters and for residents using the junction at the moment. And I think that the surface there um, over the last number of months has been uh, has a lot to be desired. It's in very bad condition. Um, I pointed that out to the executive yesterday. They agreed that there is there is issues. They've had site meetings on health and safety issues with the contractor. So basically, the situation is is that they're looking to improve um, immediately, and I think that's really really important. Well, it but is I, it is a functioning junction now. In fairness, and um, you cannot make an egg without breaking eggs. But I do think that has to be. A, I mean, I came through it over the weekend, and it reminded me of abroad and being on a, a mountain trip around one of those boogies because you're being rocked back and forth in the car uh, coming through it. I think work has to be done on it though and work, it has to be stabilised really quickly on a proper road surface. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I'm, the big danger there is damage to vehicles and then who's responsible if that happens as in, you know, for to compensate motorists. So I point that out as well. 
So as you, as you rightly pointed out, you know, it is, it is a function junction. And the, the, the reality is is that what we need to see is proper uh, you know, road surface, the best it can be during a construction um, a job that's going on at the moment. But as I say, I think a lot of be desired in relation to the quality of work. I pointed that out and I think really that it's not acceptable and that it really needs to be drastically improved uh, why this project is going on. Um, I suppose the main um, point as well that I made yesterday is in relation to the financials. As you know now, Keith, the, this project was supposed to be finished in August of last year. It's gone over six months now. There was a five, five million budget allocated for this particular project. But I think the big problem that I see, and I pointed it out, and I said that it can never happen again, is that we didn't put a penalty clause on the contract. I think we need... We need to but do you know that what, going no, forward. Yeah, Any contracts that we give out, you know. Yeah, but then we're, we're going into a legal realm at this stage, and I'd prefer to come back out of the legal, uh, the legal yeah. realm, and try and just uh, keep focused on the, the junction itself. It is a working junction. It's been a difficult job, I would think, for the contractors in question. You've you you haven't held back on the stick that you've given them either. No, but I, I think really, you know, that as I said from the outset in this interview, that you know the quality of the work that's been done at the moment is very poor. And I think that, you know, I wouldn't, I think if you were to put out a poll with the general public, I think that they would overwhelmingly agree with what I'm, what I'm saying. And it's been, the signage has been poor, the lighting has been poor. Now, I, I've been onto the director of service on a regular basis about this, and he assures me that they're keeping in contact with the contractor and with the health and safety in relation to this. And I think, as I say, it, it's, I think it's fundamental that, you know, why this project is going on. And I, I believe this is going to go on till after Easter. It could go into the early summer. So I think why that is happening, we need to see, make sure that that junction is as safe as it possibly can be during the construction phase. All right, Councillor Chivers, let's throw it out there and see from there. But uh, thank you for joining us uh, today uh, on the uh, programme. Have your thoughts and comments on this? If you have, feel free to get them into us, please. 2086 And uh, with thanks to Rationale Windows, and uh, congratulations to them, by the way. They have a fine product there. I drive a lot on the roads, Keith, and most of these cyclists have bright flashing lights. They're actually illegal and they cause uh, epileptic episodes. I will not use the word fits when it comes to epilepsy. Uh, you say they cause epileptic fits. I, 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 I actually wondered, because of the dark mornings and dark evenings, you'd see them and they'd have them on the back of the head and the front of their head and everything. Are they illegal? Um, because I came across uh, a lunatic scooter driver this morning uh, coming into work and he had two of them flashing on the base of his scooter coming into work and he had two of them on the back of his helmet and two of them on the front of his helmet. And do you know what I did? I actually pulled back and I pulled in in Bushy Park and I let him go because the lights were getting me. It was dark when I was coming in. And I thought, ah, oh, no, I, I, I don't need to start my day with these flashing lights going like that. Electric Ireland are robbing people left, right and centre and they're charging for unused units. Crazy prices they're charging and people not even in the house at the times. It's just not adding up, this caller said. I wonder, did any of you read an article that was in the um, Sunday Independent on Sunday last in relation to uh, the ESB and some of the engineers in question? It was just a fascinating insight into how things work from there. So uh, if uh, somebody, if you haven't got it, look it up online and have a gander at it uh, from there. And uh, in, just have a look at what the uh, article has to say from there. Uh, on the other line, though, uh, let me give you some of the texts that are coming in to us uh, today. And uh, this uh, caller said to us, uh, Keith, in relation to the cycling brigade, 
uh, you would swear all cars get off the road and leave it to them. How much tax do they pay for their road usage, uh, this caller said. And uh, Keith, can you ask the cycling lobby uh, if they're so concerned about safety for cyclists, why are they not calling for mandatory wearing on helmets? Surely that's one of the best protections they have on the roads, and not to mention from them. A little boy was nearly knocked down crossing at the lights in Salt Hill uh, by a cyclist jumping red lights and he cycled away. No identification, no number plate. One rule for them and another for drivers. All they want is Salt Hill promenade. Uh, then they won't be a word about it. Such hypocrisies protect people from cyclists too. That's the situation from there. And there's many, many other uh, comments coming in in that regard as well, by the way, I have to say this morning uh, to the programme. So um, we won't get it right all of the time, but um, certainly there's quite a few comments coming in. And other comments coming in. Do cyclists even know the rules of the road, Keith? Can you please tell me? Because I don't believe that they do. Um, because they're just flaking around the place. And other comments coming in. Keep them coming into us, by the way, if you want to get in contact with us. 086 38 33 uh, 3 if you want to get in contact with us. Uh, Keith, I fully agree with what the cyclists have to say. And it's the begrudgery, uh, this caller said, of all of the people who just want to be able to have cars under their tail ends. But they don't use the words tail end at all. So there you go. You can imagine what it is now what I'm looking at on the screen. But there you go. We won't say too much more about it though, will we? No, we won't. Do you remember this song? I remember playing it to death. There you go, Smokey, you live next door to Alice and I'm getting a totally different version of that song in the headphones. So I think we'll just take a short commercial break. We're back just with the 11 o'clock news and death notices. Stay tuned for that. More to come. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. 